0: Pod.
1: On this week's episode of Good Pod Lemon, we discuss the pilot episode of Thirty Rock, we expose the truth about producer Kevin Riley, and we find out the difference between a pantsuit and a skirt suit. Hey nerds, welcome to the first episode of Good Pod Lemon, a podcast chronicling three superfans' quest to never forget the rural juror by rehashing, reliving, and reminiscing about every last episode of the NBC classic 30 Rock. I'm your producer Pete Jack William Rogers, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Elise Morgan and Molly McFadyen. Hi guys! Hello, I'm so excited. Hello. Happy to be here. This episode is going to be a little bit different from the episodes going forward. Most of the time, we're just going to be talking about the episode. Uh, we watched But week one. We're going to go over what a regular episode of Good Pod Lemon is going to look like. We're going to talk a little bit about the development process of 30 Rock, other actors, all that good stuff, and our personal relationships. So let's start right there. How did you guys get into 30 Rock in the first place, even?
2: I actually started watching with my parents. They loved the show. They introduced me to most of the TV that I like. And they, for some reason had no sense of like filtering out what was appropriate for (laughs) like a nine-year-old to be watching. So they let me watch it every week with them, (laughs) which I am so thankful for. And here we are.
1: So you watched the show live as it came out?
2: Yes, not all the way through. I didn't start from the beginning, but starting like mid-season two, I think.
1: That's real early on. And Molly, how about you?
0: I started watching 30 Rock because I was obsessed with Tina Fey on Saturday Night Live and 30 Rock you. was on Netflix and so I picked it up from the beginning and instantly I was obsessed and I watched it over and over and over and I just <laughs> never started any new TV shows. For like two years I just re-watched <laughs>
1: 30 Rock.
2: <laughs> 30 Rock is actually why me and Molly are friends. Like that's literally
1: why we
0: became friends.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah talk about that a little bit. How did, because you've said this before but I don't think I know the full story
0: <laughs> okay, so me and Elise were part of a youth group together um, called. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't sh-
1: mean to laugh, of course. <laughs> no, it youth was hilarious. Was it cool. is hilarious.
2: I kind of. <laughs> The funniest part of me being in this youth group is that my parents just sent me there to get me out of the house. They were like, we just need somewhere for you to go. And so they sent me on this ski trip where I met Molly.
0: And I hated Elise. Yeah, no,
2: we did. we really like... like we did not like each other
0: <laughs> i she was exactly like she is now just like inside yeah. jokes out the wazoo like the <laughs> stupidest <laughs> sense of humor i'm just kidding no
2: that's valid that's actually that's very <laughs> accurate
0: but i found her to be so over the top and i was not into it and then we were at where were we when we first discovered that we loved 30 Rock.
2: Aubrey had mentioned that we both like the same TV show. And I was like, well, surely I like it more. And she is just a (laughs) fake fan. And I (laughs) refused to talk to her. But since then, we have literally, like, for, like, Leap Day, we dressed in yellow and blue and went to Blue Sushi. And, like, clearly we overcame our... Overcame our differences. (laughs) What differences, though? Like, there aren't differences. (laughs) (laughs)
1: You know, it's funny that you guys like met from youth group and started talking about 30 Rock from youth group together because I was introduced to 30 Rock by like my teen leader when I was in high school. He was like, so there's this show 30 Rock that has Tracy Morgan and he makes a joke about being on a show within a show and I think you'd really like that. And I was like, yeah, that sounds exactly like the kind of meta nonsense that I'm a huge fan of. So I started watching the show on when it was on Netflix and I was like... Alright, yeah, this is it. This is the only show that I'm going to watch for the rest of my life. And it was, for the most (laughs) part. (laughs) Let's talk about what an overview of what a typical episode of Good Pod Lemon will be. So we're going to have our recap of the episode with all sorts of trivia, our favorite quotes, fun facts about guest stars, all that good stuff. Elise, why don't you tell them about the Deal Breaker Award?
2: Yes, so we will be giving out the Deal Breaker Award to whatever character committed the action that is the biggest deal breaker that episode, which is, of course, going off of the Deal Breakers talk show. There are a lot of deal breakers, like almost the entire show is full of deal breakers, so
1: (laughs) it'll be, it'll be a show where everyone is nuts the whole time. Yeah. yeah, I think there's uh, just constantly doing horrible things to each other. <laughs> and then Molly, you're in law school, I've heard.
0: I That is true. I am in law school. So I am going to walk us through the lawsuit of the week, detailing who is most likely to be served summons and why. Like the Deal Breakers Award, there are many actions in this <laughs> TV show that could result in a lawsuit. <laughs> So, this will be tricky.
1: And then the last thing that we're going to do in every episode is we're going to rank each episode on the GPL best episode list which is an ongoing and ever-changing master list of the Good Pod Lemon crew's combined personal opinions on the best and worst episodes of 30 Rock ever made. I think now is a good time to address the elephant in the room, and that is that we will be talking about the episodes that contain blackface. They are not going to go on the GPL best episode list. That way it's not like three white people sitting around talking about how good an episode of television is that has like a hate crime in it compared to episodes that don't have hate crimes. It just uh, feels better that way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Are you guys ready to hop right into it?
2: I am so ready.
1: So the pilot episode of 30 Rock, titled, of course, Just Pilot, aired on October 11th, 2006, written by Tina Fey and directed by Adam Bernstein. Something else really interesting, guys, that happened on October 11th, in 1687, the Habsburg monarchy was officially recognized as sovereign uh, in Hungary and would sort of rule, like, sort of patchwork across Europe until 1918. Uh, and later, the very last of the Habsburg royal line committed suicide by drinking wine at his birthday party in front of uh, Jenna Maroney. Fun fact, died because he couldn't metabolize the grapes.
2: He could not metabolize the grapes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe not all of that is true, but the first part is. Yeah. <laughs>
2: The episode opens with Liz Lemon played by Tina Fey waiting in line to get a hot dog on her way to work. We get the iconic first words, whoa, excuse me, there's a line, buddy, followed by, there's two lines, immediately setting the groundwork that 30 Rock is going to be a TV show that is very aware that it is a TV show.
1: I didn't notice that until a friend of mine made the comment, like we were just hanging out talking about 30 Rock, she's like, and the first line's like, there's a line, there's two lines, that's so smart, and I was like, Oh my god.
0: I'm not gonna lie. I didn't notice it until you brought it up.
2: (laughs) Okay, I feel like that's what makes the show so good because Molly, I know that you and I have watched this probably at least 200 times all the way through, not exaggerating. Um, (laughs) And there are still things that you don't pick up on because all the jokes are so quick.
1: The density of jokes in 30 Rock is just so high. Like if you were to look at density of jokes in Friends versus fucking South Park versus 30 Rock, whatever. <laughs> I think 30 Rock is just constantly throwing jokes at you so you can watch an episode over and over and over again and miss just this one little offhand thing that they yeah. throw in there that is a joke that is still really funny. And it's just like, oh my God, that's that's great.
2: I might be wrong, but is 30 Rock still the show with the most, most jokes per minute?
1: You know what? Let me Google it. TV show, most jokes per minute minute. Okay, I found an article in The Atlantic so you know it's legit. The one where I counted the jokes in popular sitcoms by Talib Vizram. And yeah, it looks like 30 Rock has the most jokes per minute of, of all of these shows. In order, 30 Rock is number one, 7.44 jokes per minute which is insane. This joke every eight seconds. Incredible. It goes 30 Rock, New Girl, Parks and Rec, The Office, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Friends, Big Bang Theory, Modern Family, Family Guy, South Park, Frasier, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb Your Enthusiasm, only 3.41 jokes per minute. But something like Big Bang Theory, I'd figure to have a lot more.
0: I would argue that Big Bang Theory actually has zero jokes per minute because that (laughs) show is not funny. So I have in front of me Tina Fey's Bossy Pants and she details kind of the start of 30 Rock. And so originally what had happened was she pitched this idea about a cable news producer who was going to be played by her, who was forced to produce the show of a blowhard right-wing pundit, which was always intended to be Alec Baldwin, to boost her network's sagging ratings. So she produced that to the NBC president of primetime development, His name was Kevin Riley. And Kevin Riley shot it down. He did not like that idea. And so he... bitch. (laughs) Well, it actually turned into something good because that is how 30 Rock was born. He suggested that she write something a little closer to home, perhaps about her time at Saturday Night Live.
1: And so... Evan, I'm sorry for calling you a bitch.
0: (laughs) Yes, apologies to Kevin.
1: Oh, and then I called him Evan. Oh, this is just one after the other. You
0: need to write him a formal letter at
2: least an email
1: i'm gonna get a notes app apology i'm gonna put it on twitter and no one's gonna know what i'm talking about
2: that'll be the first thing we tweet from our twitter account oh
1: yeah go follow good pod lemon spelled the way that you spelled this to get this here in your podcast app wherever you listen to podcasts
0: So Kevin shot it down. She still wanted to keep Alec Baldwin. The show was kind of built around him, it seems like. She started thinking that if it was a show business story that she could use Tracy Morgan too. So she came into this concept of 30 Rock with Alec Baldwin and Tracy Morgan already in the forefront of her mind to kind of build the show around these characters. Yeah, so that's kind of how Thirty Rock got started. That's what I know about that. Her, I know her relationship with Lorne Michaels has been deeper than I think a lot of us know about. She seems to have kind of a mentor-mentee relationship with Lorne Michaels. I would assume that if anyone was being groomed to take over, like Lorne Michaels' position, it would be Tina.
1: Do you think then that kind of the relationship that she writes between Liz Lemon and Jack Donaghy, do you think that at all is related to her personal relationship with Lorne? Or is it, I mean, obviously all of these relationships are an exaggerated version of real life things, but do you think that there's any element in play there?
0: I would say yes, I think there's some element of truth to that relationship. Jack mentors Lemon, and I think that that might be very similar to what Tina experiences with Lorne. So Liz responds to this disrespect by telling the vendor that she wants to buy all of the hot dogs, and everyone groans, (laughs) but... We learn that later it will cost her $150 for that privilege and proclaims she is giving them to the good people who stayed in the original line behind her.
1: Does this hot dog vendor only have $150 worth of hot dogs ready to go? Like, she says, I want to buy all the hot dogs, and apparently she does, and it's only $150. Like, how much is this hot dog vendor going to make today?
2: Jack, you know what? It's hard running a small
1: business. Support small business owners. Buy all the hot dogs.
2: (laughs) Now he has- More money to buy more hot dogs for next time. This is how the economy works.
1: (laughs) Liz then walks to work with a fun little ditty playing in the background. She's handing out hot dogs to just random strangers on the street, security guard in the building. The strangers on the street are like, what is this? Who are you, lady? As The security guard is like, fuck yeah, hot dog. The strangers <laughs> on the street are right. But she has so many hot dogs. Like, she has a lot. It's clear that she is, like, a somewhat responsible proprietor of these <laughs> hot dogs, and that's why she has so many. Right? Like, if <laughs> it was <laughs> a person, right now, <laughs> if she, if someone had one hot dog, if someone has one hot dog in their hand okay. and they hand it to you, they're like, here's one hot dog. You'd be like, get away from me, weirdo. If you have a box of hot dogs and they're all, and they all have the little, like, the paper wrap around them, I think it's legit. I would I would take the hot dog.
2: Okay, I,
0: I see your point. I'd be too thank worried you, about them you. being poisoned.
2: Yeah, no, like, I, I see what you're saying, but don't don't get it twisted. I still wouldn't eat it or take it. <laughs> um,
0: we find out that
2: the song that is playing while Liz is in the elevator um, is Josh singing about jenna played by the incredible jane krakowski she is playing pam the overly confident morbidly obese woman which is wildly fat phobic um <laughs> just just like right off the bat they're like we are going to bully some people right now um it it is just like at the and at the time like when when i first watched it i did not think anything of it and i was like nine years old and then i watched it again when i was older and i was like whoa um but that's i mean that's pretty much a recurring pattern for most of the show and she
1: goes she goes this fat suit smells like like corn corn chips (laughs) (laughs) yes can't say that. <laughs> um, I have a question. Are we supposed to believe that Josh is actually singing here? Like, Jenna sings during the show. Are we supposed to believe that Josh, who we never see sing again <laughs> in the entire show, is actually like the like the cool jet who's got the da 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 bop? Like, is that supposed to be him? I, I I'm think very that We confused. are
2: supposed to believe that, yeah. <sighs>
1: then why never bring it up again? I don't Um, know. That's my personal...
2: You could say that about so many things on this show, though. Why never bring it up again? And also, it is the pilot.
0: It is the pilot, and... Tina has mentioned in her book that she does not like the 30 Rock pilot. Um, She calls it an awkward and sweaty episode. (laughs) So she she is prepared to admit that the introduction of some of these character traits are not the most, what's the word I'm looking for? Not the most eloquent.
1: Yeah, I think they really, 30 Rock is not a particularly subtle show at any point, and I think especially when they're introducing certain concepts they just choose to be ham-fisted they're like fuck it we're just gonna we're just gonna say it like here it is especially with a show where you're not always trying to do perfect screenwriting all the time if sometimes the joke is hey isn't this poorly done the audience the the way that the show works the audience is like oh it is it is but that's funny like it works <laughs> Yeah.
0: so I think we should also bring up now that we've met Jane Krakowski um, her character Jen Maroney for the first time um, we should discuss the Rachel Dratch situation. Please tell me all about it. I will tell you all about it. So,
1: thank you so much.
0: <laughs> so, um Rachel Dratch was actually originally cast as Jane Krakowski and she played her in mm-hmm. the original pilot. But the powers that be decided to go a different way. And so Jane stepped in and Jenna Maroney was recast with Jane Krakowski. And then Rachel Dratch was moved to play these side characters characters. that we'll see (laughs) later. But so the internet kind of exploded when they found out that Rachel Dratch was cut from the role. But Rachel herself has said that she doesn't think it's a big deal. She understands that pilots get recast all the time. For her, it was just a business decision. But I know a lot of people are very upset that she was promised this role and she was one of Tina's close friends and then she was recast.
1: Who made the call to recast the role?
0: I think it was a combination of the studio and Tina. The studio kind Mm -hmm. of wanted to de-emphasize the comedy sketch portion of the show, so it was supposed to be originally very much about a character actress. But then the studio wanted to make it less about that, and then Tina wanted to bring in Jenna's character into this kind of crazy person Mm -hmm. role, and it became less about having a character actress and more about having a sitcom actress.
1: And the show would have just been drastically different with Rachel Dratch, even if it was the same writing across the board. Like, she just makes such aggressively different decisions than Jane (laughs) Jane Kukowski does.
2: I think everyone makes aggressively different decisions than Jane Kukowski does. I have never (laughs) seen another person act like her.
1: I think also kind of the thing is, when you look back at at this sort of thing, it's like, wow, Rachel Dratch missed out on such a huge opportunity. But you don't necessarily know that. Like, you never know when you start a project what its legs are gonna be like like I think about in RuPaul's Drag Race like the first queen to ever get eliminated Victoria Porkchop Parker she gets eliminated and is like alright guys bye like thanks so much for having me and it's like to her it's like oh it's just another gig you know it's like yeah I, I'm a drag queen this is what I do it's just another gig it's like yeah I'm an actor I'm, I'm on shows I'm on pilots and sometimes people get recast that's just how it goes hindsight is 2020 to go like wow that would have really made Rachel Dratch's life extremely different and would have made the show extremely different but 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 it's like, at the time, who's to fucking say?
0: Yeah. So after that, the camera pulls back from above Studio 6H to reveal Kenneth, played by Jack McBrayer, leading a tour (laughs) and introducing the production as The
1: Girly Show. They cut to this tour group, and it is the ugliest group of people (laughs) they could have possibly brought together. The kid who burps. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh, they are just extremely unfortunate looking
2: (laughs) you're gonna need another formal apology to that tour group
1: uh kevin riley i'm sorry for calling your tour group ugly
0: no i can say this because i'm from the midwest but i think it's supposed to represent like all the unfortunate (laughs) like midwest tourists who come to the big city and yeah
2: it's honestly when you think about it it's just nebraska representation um Like, that's what representation in the media is all about. It's about having ugly people on the screen um, so that those of us from Omaha can feel seen.
1: And that's important for white people to feel like they're seen on screen.
2: (laughs) Can I expose Molly and say that she has the biggest crush on Jack McBrayer? (laughs)
0: I do you do I think he's the cutest little man I was watching an interview with him and he said bless her heart that's the cutest little southern thing I've ever heard I know he, is, he
2: doesn't he have a chin
0: cute. but it doesn't matter to me
2: it's honestly it's beautiful that you can look past that
1: how did uh how did Jack Brayer get on this show anyway huh
0: So he was part of Second City in Chicago, um, and I think that's how he got introduced to Tina Fey, who then cast him on the show. So I don't know if they auditioned other people, but I know that he definitely got it by being introduced to Tina.
1: And that's uh, sort of the same way Scott Atzik got on the show as well, is like they were all, it's just a ton of people that are from Second City just over and over again. Liz gets upstairs and has a walk and talk with Pete, played by Scott Adsit, the producer of The Girly Show, and they walk into a writer's room that is so fucking different from from the writer's room they end up using. Like, I think it's just a completely different studio. The writer's room is, like, at the end of a hallway. Like, you walk through a hallway and (laughs) enter as opposed to being just, like, a set of double doors that you walk through in a separate hallway. And everyone's offices are in different spots, and it's, um... I don't like it. I'm not a fan, and I'm glad that they changed it.
2: (laughs) So after that, Liz confesses to Pete that she spent $150 on wieners because she hates when people cheat or break the rules in a not entirely subtle piece of character building, (laughs) which is...
0: Just, it's part of the sweaty it, pilot that Tina it is
2: Yeah, it's, about.
1: <laughs> it is a sweaty...
2: It's the awkward, I have to introduce this character, so I'm going to make them buy $150 worth of hot dogs. You know that trope <laughs> that we all do in every...
0: And then explicitly talk about why they...
1: Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep.
0: In, like uh, ...expressed she that character
1: trait. <laughs> she goes, you know how I hate it when people cheat or break the rules? And then Pete says, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: Which establishes that they know each other. I couldn't write a better pilot, so I'm not judging them for that.
0: So then in the writer's room, we meet Tufer and Frank, played by Keith Powell and Judah Friedlander, respectively, as well as Sari, played by Katrina Bowden. Which brings me to my question, which is why is Judah Friedlander in the opening credits? Why wouldn't he be? No other writer is.
1: Every single other person in the opening credits is a key part of every episode. Pete... And then there's Judah Friedlander. Also, for some reason,
2: <laughs> I I am a Judah Friedlander truther. I am here to. <laughs> I don't care why he's in the opening credits. I'm just glad that he is. I think he deserves that.
1: Take Frank away. The second smallest person, then the smallest would be Pete. Would it be Scott Adsett. And I, but I would still consider Pete to be a prominent part of most episodes even if he's not always the guy, because they're obviously sure. like the, the Pop-Tart episode and things like that. Like he's a much more active participant, but Judah Friedlander is there sometimes. So then Pete chastises Kenneth about introducing writers to the tour group. I just then love Serene television a, so much. I just love television so much.
0: I just love television <laughs> <He's>, so much.
1: <laughs> he's such a pure character.
0: I quote that all the time, but nobody knows I'm quoting anything because it's just no because saying he loves television.
2: Yeah. And like you say that and people are like, Sure. Yeah, you like yeah, TV sure, yeah, of it, love TV. <laughs> and you're like, no, you don't understand. Okay, I just love television so much.
1: Um, Suri gets a phone call asking Liz and Pete to go up to the 50th floor. As Pete and Liz make their way there, they wonder if they're in trouble with Gary, a heretofore unmet executive at NBC. When they walk into Gary's office, they find the walls have been stripped as a dozen construction workers hammer and drill and weld and screw to transform the space. Liz says, "Where's Gary?" And the reply she gets is Jack Donaghy, played by Alec Baldwin, kicking a sheet of plywood down to announce, "Gary is dead." That Uh, is which,
2: (laughs) absolutely my favorite part of the pilot. That what an entrance!
1: It is Gary's dead. Unbelievable! He set the tone right there, and he is he is. On it, from day one, yes. Alec Baldwin has the character. Like, I think so many of the other actors, it takes them a second to, like, really get into their parts and figure it out. Like, I think Jack McBrayer's southern accent gets a little stronger as it goes on, and Tracy gets a little more wacky, and Jenna gets a little more wacky. But, like, Alec Baldwin is settled in is. from the first second. He has that very particular speech pattern where he'll say a sentence and put a pause in the middle and like he has that down from episode 1 yeah
2: and it's stuff that i think like no one else would have thought to the the dramatic pauses and the talking like this contest (laughs) and like okay like molly was talking about bossy fans earlier and tina mentions like a lot about like oh my gosh thank god for alec baldwin like he's the most incredible he's the reason the show whatever like she goes on and on about how grateful she is that he was on the show and honestly like she's right like he really helped the show a lot i think especially from the beginning when they were like finding their footing and stuff and he was just like already on it
1: um molly you were talking about earlier about how this part was always for alec baldwin you want to
0: yeah so i think from what i remember in her book tina talks about how she wrote the part with alec baldwin in mind without having ever talked to him about it so they i think they did audition other actors for it but they just kept coming back to alec baldwin they were like this part is meant for him. He has to play this. I think Tina really liked the idea that he's this raging Democrat and he would have to play this like really staunch Republican. But she eventually got Lorne to ask Alec to play the role and he said yes. And then the rest is history. They enter Jack's new
2: office and Pete remarks that he's surprised Jack is changing the office as it was already very nice to which Jack replies with a bit of foreshadowing saying sometimes you have to change the things that are perfectly good just to make them your own. He then breaks the news to Liz and Pete that he's been sent by the network to improve the girly show, which we later find out, of course, that that is by bringing on Tracy Jordan. But the part that I love about this scene in particular is that we meet Jonathan barely because he's just an extra at this point, but we all know turns out to be incredible. And Jonathan and Kenneth were both on Phineas and Ferb together. Is that true? Yes! It
0: is Yes, Jonathan
2: true. is Belgique and and Kenneth is Irving. They're like Phineas and Ferb, like super fan.
0: So then we hard cut to Jenna's dressing room, where she asks a costumer named Lee if her face looks puffy, which eventually leads to her asking for hemorrhoid cream to reduce the swelling, which was a trick she learned playing a lady rapist on Law and Order. Her words, not Molly's. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna's words. <laughs>
1: Can't say that. One of the things that I really love about 30 Rock, and and any TV show or movie that does this, I think it's so funny and so good. But Lee was just a costume designer on the show. He worked on all seven seasons, and he's just playing himself. Like, he's just a guy that worked on the show, and they're like, hey, we need a costume designer. You're gonna do it. He's only in three episodes, and is pretty much just replaced uh, with another crew member playing themselves, which is Richard Esposito, which I think was a better casting. I think Richard has a lot more, they do a lot more with Richard than I think they do with Lee. Also, like, Subas was just a janitor.
2: I didn't know he, he just Yeah.
1: He just worked there, and they had a janitor character.
2: And then, then there's an entire episode centered around him. Yeah. Like, yeah! like, it grew so much, they were just like, oh, Subas, come be Subas, and eventually it became a whole thing. Subas and Ann Curry. I would Watch a CBS spin-off.
1: Rachel Dratch makes her very first guest appearance uh, after not being Jenna anymore of the show as the cat wrangler Greta Johansson in order to introduce Jenna to the cat she'll be working with on the show that night I think that this, especially knowing that she was originally cast as Jenna but was moved to this I think that Rachel Dratch fits these character roles so well where it's just it's just a little one-off and she can be as kooky and weird as she wants to be and it all works because this kid like Greta Johansson is a nut job like she does not (laughs) does not have all of her marbles together and she's she's just perfect she just kills it
2: you could say that about every single role she has on this show
1: yeah oh absolutely what are y'all's favorite Rachel Dratch side characters? On the show over the entire course of the show barbara walters
2: that is a good one
1: The Roger, The
2: Roger. it's hard to beat that but i think oh, i think i have to go with the blue man for how outlandish it is.
1: i was going to say blue man too
2: and there's no way of explaining what that means to people who haven't seen the show like <laughs> oh yeah when rachel drash plays the blue man oh yeah i don't know what you're talking about Back on the 50th floor, Jack shows Liz and Pete the market research on the show that indicates they're missing the key men ages 18 to 49 demographic, which is most people. <laughs> that is a, that's a big gap. So Jack proposes adding Tracy Jordan to the show. Liz says, isn't he... um." Crazy. And then we get a hard cut to Tracy Jordan standing in the middle of the 405 waving a red plastic lightsaber proclaiming, I am a Jedi! Which we get a great callback <laughs> to later by Octavia Spencer.
0: Jack insists that Tracy Jordan is the third heat, which is a reference to Jack's experience with ovens and asks Liz to have lunch with Tracy and promises that if it isn't a good fit, he'll drop the whole thing. As Liz and Pete start to leave, Jack tells Pete to stay so that he can, as we later find out, fire him. This is where I'm going to insert my lawsuit of the week. Hello. It is insane that they are letting Jack and Pete and Liz have a meeting in the middle of all that construction, especially without protective gear. And the lawsuit of the week goes to a chunk of plaster falling on Liz's head. Can anyone say negligence?
1: Who do you, but who do you name in that suit? Like who, who gets the summons on that?
0: That would be the construction manager for okay. not stopping that.
1: Do you think that there's any liability on Jack's part because he brought them into the office while it was under construction, he's like, "I'm going to continue to hold meetings here in the office, even though it's under construction." Like, does he does he face any negligence at all, or is it? Do you think it's just the construction company?
0: You know, from my limited torts knowledge, um, that <laughs> he would only be liable for that if there was some level of respondent superior, which basically means that the employer is liable for the conduct of the employee so that would mean you mm-hmm. would have to establish that Jack was the employer of that construction worker who dropped it so i think it would be the construction worker who dropped the plaster onto Liz's head or installed the plaster mm-hmm. that fell onto Liz's head would be the employee and then the employer would be
1: ABC Construction. ABC whatever.
0: Construction, yeah. That is from yeah. my limited torts knowledge. I took torts <laughs> during a pass fail semester when COVID hit. So I didn't study for the final exam. So do not quote me on that. <laughs>
1: In the costume shop, Liz asks Lee for a change of clothes so that she's better dressed for her lunch meeting with Tracy. Lee returns with one of the ugliest pantsuits I've ever seen, saying, Laura Bush is your size. Liz dons the suit and heads to the meeting. That is, that suit is so... Wait, we have is it to... Is made of wool? Hey,
0: wait, stop. <laughs> Before we get too far into this conversation, we have to redo it because it is not a pantsuit. It's a skirt suit.
1: Oh, fucking excuse me.
0: I just... It's incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want you guys to, like, talk about this pantsuit. It's not even a pantsuit.
1: I... It's, it's a pantsuit. We'll do it again. <laughs> Lee returns with one of the ugliest skirt suits, not pants suits, as Molly corrected me on. She said, you're the dumbest person I've ever met in my life. Don't you know what a fucking skirt suit is? And I said, I'm so sorry. Lee returns <laughs> with <laughs> one of the ugliest skirt suits I've ever seen saying, Laura Bush is your size. Liz dons the suit, the skirt suit, by the way.
2: So in case any of you didn't get that, it was a skirt suit, not a pantsuit. <laughs>
1: It is a skirt suit. It's not a pants suit.
2: Very clear. Like absolutely the most
0: clear. Sorry I'm a particular person. Thank you. <laughs> apology not accepted.
1: <laughs> hey, I accept your apology and I'm the one who you harmed, so you know this
2: legit. <laughs> We finally get our first real-time appearance of Tracy Jordan, played by Tracy Morgan, at this restaurant, and I want to take a moment to say that for a hot minute growing up, I thought that I might be related to Tracy Morgan, because my dad (laughs) called him Uncle Tracy since we had the same last name, and I'm like maybe distantly? No. I would love for him to be my uncle. He seems like...
1: And the family resemblance is there.
2: Right, yeah, no, we look very similar. Um, no, so the meeting at Alfredo goes poorly as Tracy insists he cannot eat there after the waiter says the word pumpkin to him and the entire entourage and Liz depart for a restaurant that Tracy says has food he likes.
0: Jack and Jenna meet for the first time in the studio while Jenna looks for Liz or Pete to complain about her costume. Jack is telling her he thinks it's hot when Kenneth arrives with Jenna's hemorrhoid cream, embarrassing her greatly. Do you guys think that
1: Alec Baldwin is good looking?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I've never been attracted to the guy.
2: I'm not attracted to him, but I think (laughs) that he is good looking. I think Elise, well, you're not attracted, attracted to, to Alec Baldwin. I know it's shocking. I think that he is objectively a handsome man.
1: All right, I'll take the lesbian's word for it. I guess. <laughs> Tracy and Liz have a less-than-successful first meeting at the M&G Diner when he offers to drive her back to the office. Of course, they instead end up at Dark Sensations, a strip club. Liz calls Kenneth to ask to talk to Pete, whereupon Kenneth breaks the bad news that Pete was fired that morning after Liz left Jack's office. Liz proceeds to get quite freaking wasted, and even gets on stage with the strippers while wearing a Dark Sensations shirt. I love the line in here where Liz says to Tracy, she's like, Well, I'm not a sex worker, Tracy. I don't have sex for money. (laughs) The girl goes, Neither do we. And Tracy goes, Neither do they. Yes, they do.
2: Meanwhile, back at the studio, the show is falling apart under the direction of Jack. He upsets Jenna by being too honest with her. He picks a cat at random for the cat lady sketch and ends up selecting a cat that was just rescued from a lab.
1: We get Rachel Dratch again, thank goodness. Yes.
0: Liz and Tracy head back to the studio in Tracy's Hummer so that Liz can quit the show in front of everyone but stop on the way so that Tracy can piss on his old foster home.
1: This sets such a great like standard for the show where they're like, Oh, you wanted an emotional moment? How about suck my dick, idiot? How about that?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Anytime
2: the show gets set up to have an emotional moment that is like objectively this should be an emotional moment, they find a way to make it still have a joke in there.
1: There have been times in media where that sort of thing happens where they pull the rug out underneath you and it's like, ah, I really wanted, I wanted that moment. And I think I've never felt that way with 30 Rock. Where No, I think
2: that it's all very well done.
1: Yeah, like it still feels...
2: Like, the same show. Yeah.
1: After that, Liz and Tracy storm the halls of the sixth floor, demanding to see Jack, but Kenneth gives Liz the phone as she's gotten a call from Pete. Pete advises Liz to not quit, to not, quote, buy all the hot dogs. Y'all remember that from earlier? I do. As it were. But then spurs Liz to the stage when he notices the Cat Lady sketch they intended to cut had just started. Jenna starts getting attacked by the feral lab cat and throws it away from herself to an extremely negative reaction from the studio audience. Liz tells Tracy she needs to talk for 2 minutes about anything. Tracy walks randomly into the sketch and begins riffing to immense applause and laughter, even going so far as to quote his famous catchphrase, "This honky grandma be trippin," before proclaiming that he is the third heat, setting the stage for his inclusion on this show for the rest of the series.
2: Liz then confronts Jack, "Are you drunk?" "Yes." <laughs> and makes a series of demands, including getting Pete's job back. Jack agrees, correctly guesses Liz's weight, and Tracy murmurs to Jenna over the cast goodbye... I can't wait to do this with you every week, which you then see the panic in Jenna's face who didn't know anything about this, as the credits start to roll on the first of 139 episodes of
0: 30
1: Rock. Wow, that's it. That's our yeah. first episode.
0: Wow. So how, how well do you guys think the pilot sets up the series as a whole? I think it does
2: a good job. It's definitely not my favorite pilot I've ever seen. And there are fewer jokes, fewer like crazy moments in the pilot than in other episodes and like we said earlier alec baldwin jumps right into his character while other people need a little bit to get going but i think that overall it's a solid pilot it tells you exactly where the show is going from there it tells you that there are a bunch of crazy people um like it gives you enough information that everyone that i know that has seen the pilot is like yeah i want to keep watching the show
1: one of the things you talk about in screenwriting is asking yourself whether or not the pilot does a good job establishing longevity within your conflicts. I think that the show does a great job of establishing strong characters that can play off of one another, because the thing that's going to get your show to go a long time is isn't yes we have a lot of great plots in mind it's like you gotta have characters that can be put into situations with other characters that create interesting conflict and interesting situations that then write themselves into full episodes or into their own storylines i think 30 rock does that really really well do we want to talk about our deal breakers for this episode what was what were y'all's deal breakers
2: mine this will surprise some people because I am very against cats since I am deathly allergic to them. But my deal breaker has to be when Jenna says that she put down her cats because the only thing... (laughs) cat related that I dislike more than the cats themselves is someone euthanizing their animals to spare their hardwood floors. That is a horrible thing. Like that is absolutely, (laughs) that's a deal breaker, ladies.
0: Fairness to Jenna, she does say she was joking. But do we believe that? I don't believe. No, absolutely not.
1: not. (laughs) So I think my deal breaker is I get really uncomfortable when people begin conflict in public with strangers. And Liz, like, from the very first moment of the show, she's like, oh, you guys are going to try to start another line? Fuck you. I'm going to get every hot dog. None of y'all get hot dogs. I'm giving only the good people. That would make me so uncomfortable that if I, like, just started dating her, I think I might have started looking for a way out. Like, I get so uncomfortable with (laughs) conflict with strangers in public. Shut it down deal breaker
0: okay so my deal breaker is one very specific line it's when jonathan is showing the index cards to jack <laughs>
1: i know what you're gonna say <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's when he's showing the index cards to jack and he's flipping through them and jack's answering the questions and he goes five inches but it's thick i just really <laughs> hate <laughs> That one, he's using his assistant to sext. (laughs) Two, that he's sexting during work. And three, that we're supposed to believe that Jack Donaghy has a five-inch dick. I'm sorry. It's unbelievable.
1: Big dick energy from Jack Donaghy.
0: Big dick energy.
1: Where would you guys rank this so far on our master list of the Good Pod Lemon best episode list? Where do you guys put it?
2: Well, it's the only one we've reviewed, so it's both first and last, and somewhere in the middle.
1: We'll see. We'll see where we uh, where it lands when everything's all said and done. 138 episodes from now. Well, Elise and Molly, thank you so much for uh, joining me today for Good Pod Lemon. Excited to do
2: the rest of these.
1: I, you know, I'm really looking forward to the next two and a half years being spent right here with you guys. It's gonna be great. All right, bye everyone. Goodbye. Bye.